Amen. Praise the Lord. It's been a glorious month. So I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're being blessed. Before I go into the message, I have a message from the Lord for us as a church. I got this on Tuesday, 26th of this month. The Lord began to tell me that it's so wonderful that his son is asking us to come on Sunday to give him thanks. He gave me these scriptures, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, which says, we feel a personal responsibility to continually be thanking God for you, our spiritual family, every time we pray. And we have every reason to do so because your faith is growing marvelously beyond measure. The unselfish love each of you share for one another is increasing and overflowing. And that's really, really very true. So he said to tell you this so that you'll be encouraged to know that he is witnessing what is going on in the body of Christ here. And then he went ahead to tell me that I should tell his people. He said, I am promoting my people. That was the word that he used. He said, I am promoting my people. He said, those who are humble and teachable will experience the promotion. So it's not from me. It's, from, it's up to you. The choice is yours. He said, those who are humble and teachable will experience this promotion. And he said, he said it's going to come in, in, in different shades. So be expectant of that promotion. If you have not yet received one, be expectant. And while we were worshiping, while I was over there kneeling down, he said, he wrote over here and said, I am faithful. And that's a confirmation that he honors his word. So I want you to take this personally and note these messages and note today and be expectant. Have a joyful, confident expectation Whatever it is you might have been asking him, he said, I am promoting you. Take it personal. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful for what you are doing in our midst. It's been awesome, awesome, awesome. You truly love yourself. And you, you've been lavishing that upon us. Father, we are so very thankful and grateful, and we know that even beyond measures, what you did previously, you will even do today, and you will continue to do. Our lives will continue to be radically transformed, and we shall be careful to return all the praises and glory back unto you. Blessed be thy name, faithful Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our theme for the family months has been love without stopping. Love without stopping. Uh, taking from 1 Corinthians 16, 14, that's the message. But I'm going to read this in uh, uh, AMPC. I will read from verse 14. It said, let everything you do be done in love. True love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. Let everything let everything, whether you're married or yet to be married, whether you're schooling, whether you're serving your parents or doing whatever it is for anyone, husband, wife, children, the Bible said, let everything you do be done in love. And it's not just any kind of love, but true love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. Verse 22 says, if anyone does not love the Lord, does not have a friendly affection for him and is not kindly disposed toward him, he shall be accursed. The cause he's talking about is the cause of the law, but we've gone beyond that. What he's saying here is that you should stick with who you are in Christ and be friendly in love with the Father and let that be displayed in your relationship with other people. And then he went ahead in verse 23 to say, the grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let it be invisible manifestation upon your life because already you have received that grace. Of course, we've heard it said, and even the Bible says so, that the greatest is love. 
And the Bible said, though you might move mountains, maybe you have the kind of faith that can shake and move mountains, and you give whatever you have to the poor, and you give your body to be born because you because just to help people. The Bible said, if it is done without love, love that is inspired by God, by God's love for you, he said, it profits you nothing. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 4 begin to describe to us what this God kind of love is like. Verse 4 says, love endures long and is patient. Just, it's not just the waiting, but the, your attitude while you're waiting. You say love is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. That is not arrogant feeling. That attitude of uh, I better than thou kind of disdaining people. It, that's not love. That's not God kind of love. Verse 5, it is not conceited, it's not arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or mannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, that's what is being described, does not insist on its own right or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touching, that's oversensitive or easily irritable kind of a high maintenance uh, person, you know. When you're around that person, you have to be mind, just kind of apprehensive. No, that's not love. It's not fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffer wrong. It doesn't keep records of wrongs. I say, ah, you never did this. You are always doing this. Which means you have a record. That's not God's kind of love. Verse 6. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. God's kind of love is not the kind that if something evil happens to someone that probably did something, you say, yes, that suits him. That, that would teach him or her a lesson. No. That's not God's kind of love. Verse 7, love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, not easily suspicious of people, you know, it, uh, it will wear you out when you're easily suspicious, like a husband suspecting the wife, wife suspecting the husband or children, whatever it is, that will wear you out. You are the target for the devil. He wants to worry you and then cause you to fall sick, you know, easily. You just simply love, love, you know, you just believe. Believe people. Give people benefit of doubt. Uh, you make the best construction of whatever people do or say. You say love uh, believes, is, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You say its hopes are faithless under all circumstances. Love never easily give up. That's God's kind of love. And it endures everything without weakening. In other words, self-control is in operation. He restrains himself, hopeful, having that joyful, confident expectation of good, that something good will come out of this. Verse 8 says that, you know, love never fails. It never fades or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Because God is, is love. That's describing God. And then the last part of verse 13 says that the greatest is love. So... You know, this is God's kind of love in expression here. And this God's kind of love is not just difficult, but it's impossible for anybody to live this life, to live that God's kind of love. And that's why an unbeliever cannot live this God's kind of love. Because verse, Romans 8 verse 9b says, if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to him. It says, however, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. That's the only way, when you're being controlled by the spirit. And that's why he said, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, that person does not belong to God at all. You can't live God's kind of life expressing his kind of love. It's impossible. And that's why I remember that when, you know, my beloved husband was at KDA, Kaduna in Nigeria, and then uh, one time he took me to visit a couple that the wife put to bed. 
And in the course of conversation, the lady said, I've noticed one thing. You know, these are men, when they are wise put to bed, that's the time you find them, you know, gallivanting around. You understand what I mean? I didn't really understand what she was saying until many years later. And then I found that when I was leading women, you know, there was this uh, grumbling and murmuring and all the utterances and some of the things I had. The reason was because if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you can't live God's kind of life. You, can't, you don't have the self-control. You find out that you're controlled by the flesh. And remember, it's the woman that put to bed. It's not the man. The one that is born again, at least you have the spirit of God helping you. The spirit of God guides you as to how to you know, relate with your wife at that time because it's a trying moment. Though it's supposed to be a time of blessing. The wife is also trying to get her body together. So within that time, it takes the grace of God for anyone to be able to live the godly life and still keep the love for the spouse, the love for one another. And that's why he told us that it's only those who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Because the Holy Spirit of Christ is there to help you to know how to live your life within that time. It's not going to be lovey, lovey, lovey. You know, when you have newly married couple, it's only the two of them. But now God entrusts them with a, a, a baby to help him take care of. Because the Bible said we should go and multiply and replenish the earth. Then this is another person. And you know, because it's a new thing, the women are so passionate about the baby, you know, someone that they carried for nine months and all that. So it's so very important that the couple who knows the Lord trust the Holy Spirit to help them to work things well so that they can keep the purity of their marital life. Amen? Galatians 5 said that, the fruit of the spirit, that is the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we wait while, how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Verse 24 said, and those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. So it's only those who belong to Christ that will be able to keep themselves because the spirit of Christ helps them. It's not in their own strength. It's not by power nor by might. Praise the Lord. I remember that one time um, when we were still back there in Nigeria, the very first church where we got born again, a very energetic usher, you know, you know, you know, praising God and worshiping God. And just on their way, the, 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 the wife said, honey, our little boy will need a shoe. You say, am I? The man tree off. Was so angry at the wife and all that. It takes the grace of God to be able to keep ourselves and respond properly in the language that shows that we are children of God. So it's by the spirit of those who are allowing themselves to be led by the spirit of God. I remember the, a guy who threw away the wife from the balcony because the, he said, I have been warning her. Each time she will come back home, she will just remove her shoe by the door. Because the woman was rushing home to remove her shoe and was rushing to go and get food ready. Now, the man could not take it any longer. They were born again. He dropped the wife. The wife got wounded, and then the next thing was the hospital. It takes the spirit of Christ. It takes the fruit of the spirit, allowing themselves to be led by the spirit of God. Now, the kind of love that we are talking about, again, like my, my topic, you know, it's um, grace and truth-based love. That's the topic that we are dealing with today. Grace and truth-based love. Now, this grace and truth-based love, like I said, it's only possible with the person who has the spirit of Christ in him or in her. Remember that grace is undeserved or merited favor, which we have all received the day we gave our lives to Christ. 
And truth came by Jesus Christ too. What is truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he said to the Father, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. That is John 17, 17. So it means we have received what we don't deserve. The message of God shelved from us what we deserve because of our sins. Then you, when you have received this grace, you learn to live by grace and offer the same grace to people because people will definitely from time to time step on your toes. And then you begin to allow yourself to be taught by the truth of the word of God. It is the word of God that will guard your heart, that will help you to know how to use your tongue, how to be patient with people, how to respond in kindness and in love. It is the truth of the word of God that will help you. And Jesus is the truth. He's the word made flesh. The word of God describes to us as we constantly fellowship and thank God for the family forum. I remember many years back, me and my husband, our marriage was a mess. But thank God that when we got born again, he began to amend. And then someone now introduced us to what is called, uh, we call it then couples, you know, forum. We began to hear from the others and we say, wow. So these things are also happening in these other families. And people that had gone before us began to share with us how they were able to overcome certain things. And our marriage began to amend. How did it begin to amend? as we began to hear the people sharing based on the scriptures as it is in the word of God. The Bible said in Romans 6 verse 14, it said, for sin will no longer be master. For sin will no longer be master over you since you are not under law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. When they step on your toes, it is when you're living by the grace of God. It's not just that you're born again, but you have to soak yourself with the word of God so that you begin to, to be rich in the understanding of the grace and the mercies of God that has been offered to you. That's when you are able to live victoriously over the flesh. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12 says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another. May who? The Lord. It has to be the Lord. And how will he do that? Via his word. It's all in this book, the Bible. Via his word. And may the Lord cause you. He's, he's, he's not going to come and switch you like this. This is how he does that. The Bible said that in 2 Timothy 3 from verse 16 that his, his word of God is profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is by his word. And then verse 13 says, so that he may strengthen and establish your hearts without blame in holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. He will do that, but you have to let him. You have to allow him. Philippians uh, 1 verse 9 to uh, 11 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is a prayer, and it's a prayer that you should be praying for yourself on a daily basis. Because what God is looking for is the fruit of righteousness that is based on Jesus Christ. It is not the performance. We have been done with performance. Performance is when you're under the law, trying to impress. And then at the back, you're doing your own thing. No, that's not what God wants. I remember that one time, my beloved husband visited one of our members when we were still in Nigeria, at the school where I was teaching. And he said, this lady went in and brought all manner of goodies for him and set it before him. 
And then the beloved husband to the lady said, could you please also bring me a little of this? The lady just said, and my beloved husband said he could, his body just kind of died, that he couldn't even taste any of those things again. And she was a believer and still a believer. It is the word of God that will teach you how to relate with each other. His word, nothing else. This is it. That's why he told us in Romans 12 verse 2, he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So, but let God transform you into a new person. You're already born again. But your soul needs to be saved. Your spirit is perfect. Exactly like Christ. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It is as the way you think changes that the way you act will change. He said, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then uh, verse, he said in verse 18 of John, uh, John chapter 1, he said, no man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father, he has declared him. He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and has made him known. Only the unique son of God. So when you are reading this book, you're searching out for who Jesus is because as he is, so you are. It is his life that you have received. And he will teach you everything that you know you want to know about the Father, everything you want to know about life. The Bible said that the word of God, that the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. It's the word of God that will show you who you really are. The word of God will show you what is in your heart. The word of God will show you the motives behind your actions in your relationships. It is the word of God. So that you begin to have a kind of adjustment. Uh, you begin to walk in line. It's a cost correction. You're going this way. And as you begin to fellowship with the word of God, it begins to expose some of these things, show you these things. And then, oh, 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 I didn't even know the Bible. Oh, daddy, I'm so sorry. And then you walk this way. And then as you keep fellowshipping, it begins to tell you again, oh, daddy, I'm so sorry. So it should be this way. And then how to relate with your spouse, how to relate with your children, how to relate with your parents, how to relate with anybody. The word of God will show you. And verse 13 says, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is no one that is hidden before him. Talking about the word of God, because the word of God is God. Remember, the word of God is God. So the only way you can love without stopping is by living your life based on this wisdom which comes from the mouth of God. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's not only grace. There's the grace of God offered you undeserved or merited favors. The message of God shelved off from you what you deserve. And then the truth of the word of God now begins to teach you how to walk in perfect step in this life so that you will enjoy the blessings that God has for us. It comes as you keep on with the wisdom that comes from him. James 3.17 says, the wisdom that is, up, that is above is first pure. He said, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. Can you think of that in a family? And good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That is the wisdom that comes from above. And that wisdom is 
fully loaded here because wisdom comes from the mouth of God. And we are told in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Because remember, God is interested in your heart. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Bless those who persecute you. Don't cause them. Pray that God will bless them. Bless those who persecute you. Whether your husband is persecuting you or your wife is persecuting you or your children or parents persecuting the children or whoever it is, what you owe each person is love. You just love them and you pray that God will bless them. As you're praying for God to bless them, God can send somebody that will share the truth with them so that they will be saved. That's the core of the matter. But really love from your heart. It has to be God's kind of love. And he told us that whatever it is, as much as lying with us, we should live peaceably with everyone that is around us. Peace, live peaceably. And that's verse 18 of the same Romans verse 12. And if we go to Romans chapter 12 verse 16, it says, live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth. Be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't ever think you're better than the others. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others. But be willing to do many tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Don't ever think you know it all. Give others benefit of doubt. Think of it. Could it be, there might be, maybe, maybe there might be some element of truth, or maybe this might be a lie. Give people benefit of that. Say, never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, believe that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Leave vengeance with the Father. But your job is love, 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 and love. Amen? You see, and if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surpassing generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you for that. And verse 21 says, we are to overcome evil with good. You want to get back as the devil? Overcome evil with good. They slap you here, forgive them. Overcome evil with good. That is God's kind of love. And it takes the grace of God to live that God's kind of love. I overheard my beloved son, Onyeka, the other day telling Ugo, Ugo, if you have seen me, you have seen Jesus. <laughs> If you have seen me, you have seen me. And I say, yes, it's true. Because you remember, we are his resident address. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we should know that Christ lives in us. We have his life in us. We have his spirit, his character, his conduct, his ability. He's in us. Amen? So if Christ is in me and Christ is in you, and I love Jesus, then automatically I love you. You will be so easy for me to love, right? Because I love Jesus... And Jesus, you are a carrier of Jesus, and I'm a carrier of Jesus. So it's so easy for us to love each other. But we have to look through the lenses of the Spirit and not through the eye that the devil is giving us. There's a song that we used to sing when we were in Nigeria. Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. So you are easy. You are easy. You're easy to love. You are my brother, you are my sister, you are easy to love because that's what God expects of us as his children because we all are from one family. So if we are all from one family as a church, we are also of one family as a family that were born again. Amen? The Bible said of Jesus... In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it said, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That was a prophecy that came about him. 
said the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And then verse 3 says, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. And that is what we are today as believers. That's why the Bible said we should allow the love of Christ to compel us and we should know no man after the flesh. We should know people by our inner man and by their inner man. You hate what the evil that somebody is doing, but you love the person. Don't focus on the evil, but rather focus on the spirit of Christ, that this is a child of God. I'm going to, God can count on me to love him back to wholeness. God can count on me to love her back to wholeness. God can count on me to restore this precious child of God that is a carrier of God to what is supposed to be. And that's what he told us that we should, we should, Live for him that died for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. We should now live for the one who died for us. <clears throat> First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you don't love, you don't know God. If you know God, then you love. So your loving is not dependent upon their performance because God is not loving you based on your performance. You love them anyway because they are children of God. They are part of your body. And then verse, verse 8 says, verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Because God has given us what it takes to love, to love this God kind of love. So that's why if you don't love one another, then you don't know God. Even the Bible says we should love our enemies and do good to them that hate us. Because do you know that even the bad people, they love themselves and they do themselves good? Yes, but then it is not God kind of love. It is for the benefit of what they will gain from each other. And the Bible said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, say, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the just. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. God wants us to go beyond that and live based on who we are in Christ, based on what we have received. And that's why he told us in Romans 13 verse 8, he said, Owe nothing to anyone except to love and seek the best for one another. For he who unselfishly loves his neighbor has fulfilled the essence of the law relating to one's fellow man. You can finish paying everything you owe people, but love is one thing you will never stop paying. You owe people love. God has given you love, and you are to share the same love with other people. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible said there, our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us our love for others. That's one way we show our gratitude to God that we appreciate this undeserved or merited favor that we have received from him. Um, let's look at uh, John chapter 1, 16 to 17. The Bible said there, for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, 
favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. That's what we have received. If you are born again, that's exactly what you have received. You need to meditate on this and have a revelation of this. And that will help you. And then verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace the unearned, undeserved favor of God, and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible tells us we should allow the words of Christ to dwell richly in our heart. Because it is by the word of Christ, the word of God, that you get to learn how to, you know, uh, offer this in a visible way to anyone around you. Everyone born of God have received this uh, love, this grace. But the only thing is that the extent to which this manifests through your life depends upon the extent to which you know this truth, you understand this truth, you value this truth, you embrace this truth about what you have received from the Father. That is the extent to which it will manifest. And nothing changes God's love for you. God's love for you is unconditional. No matter what you do, God still loves you. The only thing is that you can live miserably here on earth. You can have a miserable marriage if you don't learn to walk by the truth. If you don't give heed to the truth of the word of God, that will now guide you as to how to relate to one another, to maximally benefit from the love that the Father has shown to you. Um, I want us to know, for those of us who are yet to marry, that marriage is God's idea. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, said, then God blessed them. Marriage is God's idea, and marriage is a blessed thing, is a blessed union, if it is done God's way. If you allow Jesus to be the center of it all, he is the only one that can hold your life together, that can hold your marriage together, that can hold your business together, that can hold whatever it is that you stand for together. You don't want had I known comes last. You have to make him the center. In Colossians 1 verse 17 says, And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So which means that no matter what you're seeing, you want to know what the word said. Why? Because you want Jesus to be the center. If the word said it this way, you're going to stick with what the word said, regardless of how you feel regardless of what they say, regardless of what you think. This is what said. If God says it, and I believe it, and I live by it, that settles it for me. So it is important that we know that marriage is a blessing. However, when people are in union, you did it God's way. Continue to allow Jesus to be the center by living by the word of God. The devil will fight marriage, but God has given us what it takes to checkmate him, to kick him out of our lives, out of our marriages, so that we can live that blessing, seen in visible terms in our lives. God didn't give us a turn in the flesh by giving you a helpmate. The Bible said that two are better than one. That's God himself that said so in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. He said, because they will have a good, a more satisfying reward for their labor. And then the NLT says that they will help each other to succeed. God knows this, and that's why God said, that's why God brought Eve to Adam. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, he said there, he who finds a true and faithful wife, a true and faithful wife finds a good thing and obtains favor and approval from the Lord obtains one favor. Remember, what you have received is undeserved or merited favor. But for that favor to manifest, you have to live by the truth of the word of God. He said, he who finds a true and faithful wife finds a good thing and obtains favor and approval from the Lord. Then 
Proverbs 26 to 7 says, Many a man proclaims his, way, his own loyalty and goodness, but who can find a faithful and trustworthy man? The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly principle. In accord with his godly, in other words, based on the truth as it is in the word of God. How blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. Is such a person that will leave a godly legacy for his children. But that loyalty and goodness of faithfulness, it takes the inner man, the spirit of Christ in you, to manifest that loyalty. There is no one that is faithful or loyal. No woman is faithful or loyal. No man is faithful or loyal. It's only God that makes you faithful and loyal. When his spirit comes to indwell you and you begin to allow yourself to be led by his spirit. That's why those of you who are marrying in the Lord, you are so blessed. And don't make a toy of it. It's an awesome blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So remember, God formed you in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Everything about you was recorded in his book before ever you were even born. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for a disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So it's important that you allow the one who knew everything about you before you were ever, ever formed in your mother's womb, the one who has a good plan for you, it's important that you allow him to help you, to choose for you. Let this sink. Don't wait for had I known to come last. Be patient with him and he will guide you. Remember you're never alone. He gave you his spirit to help you. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it said, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He said, verse 19, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God lives in you. And he's not living in you just for nothing. He's there to help you. You are never alone. And John 14, 26 says, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, your counselor is in you. Your strengthener is in you. Your standby is in you. And he said there, he will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything that I've told you. And John 16 verse 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. And then the last part of it says, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will disclose to you everything about your life. He will help you. That's why he's there. I understand that there are times we have some challenges that are beyond our control. That's why you, you get to be baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You begin to pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. As you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God begins to help you to pray the right kind of prayer that will help you to know what to do. Even as a married couple, when challenges of life come, pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. The Bible said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and the Spirit and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, to pray for. For the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts, the Father who knows your heart and understands what the Spirit is communicating, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Remember last Sunday when we were reminded, every one that will ever give his or her life to Christ. God already purposed that as many of them as will ever give their life to Christ, he will help them conform to the image of his son. Again, by the word of God. 
So the, the Holy Spirit prays for us according to God's own will as we begin to pray in the Spirit. And the confidence that we have is that once we ask anything according to his will, he will, he will hear us. If it is direction, the steps of the righteous are ordered by him. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. It's a promise. It's a promise. And then First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 2. He said, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 13 says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Yes, your understanding is unfruitful, but you can also pray and ask God to give you the understanding of what you're praying about, especially when it comes to life issues like the choice of life partner, the choice of career, or probably the choice of where to move to, to live, because your life is no longer your own. They sing it along for us. My life is not my own to you. I belong. So you must understand that your life is no longer your own. So you have to give it what it takes. Pray in the spirit of the Lord and trust God to speak to you. Be patient. He might not speak to you right away, but maybe as you're doing something, or maybe, maybe as you're approaching somebody that you're thinking, you might begin to have that kind of green light. There are some people, they say, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But the Bible told us in the book of James chapter 4 that we must allow God. He say, verse 13 says, James chapter 4, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To, whom, to him who knows that God is your life, Jesus is your life, your life is not your own, that you should ask him. You have to live your life totally dependent upon him. Jeremiah said in verse, chapter 10, verse 23, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. God didn't design you to direct your steps. He designed you so that you should live in total dependence upon him. And as you delight yourself in the Lord, he will begin to put his desires in your heart. Then you find out that your heart will be in agreement with him. And then when you ask for those things, he will make them happen for you. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 25, said there's a way that seems right unto a man. It looks like this is it. He said, but the end of are the ways of death. That's why you have to totally depend upon God. We hear a lot of things today, people shacking together in the name of marriage without any covenant relationship. That shouldn't be the lot of a child of God. God has armed you with what it takes to be able to make a decision so that it will, you will be guided by him. So let love control everything you do. And the Bible also says, let the peace of God be the umpire. Let as you pray a lot in the spirit, you fellowship with the word of God, you're listening. The Holy Spirit will tell you if this is it or if this is not it. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your heart, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your heart in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the peace of God let the peace of God decide. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Just entrust yourself into his faithful, well-able hands. He told us in Matthew 6, 34, he said, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at 
Strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things, including life partner, all these things, including whatever you have to do in life, wherever you have to be, will be given to you also. He says, so you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress yourself about who to marry because God will make them happy. But you, you know, put yourself into him. Begin to seek him, grow in him. You don't have to be afraid of your future because he holds your future in his hands and he will direct you. He will help you. Remember, in Matthew 10, verse 30, 31, he says, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not. Then you are of more value than many sparrows. God is very faithful and wellable. And whatever it is, he has blessed you with a lot of uh, godly counselors around you, your pastors, your ministerial overseers. They are there for you. Your parents, especially when they are godly parents, listen to godly counsel. Because the Bible said that in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory, there is safety. So let's learn to live this grace and truth-based love. We have what it takes to do it. We really do. The Bible told us, reminded us in that First Corinthians 16 verse 14, it said, let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man as inspired by God's love for you. Verse 15 of Ephesians 5 says, rather let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Amen? It is very, very possible because we have been given what it takes. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? I want us to read the scripture on the board, the very last scripture there in Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. And I want you to begin to pray that prayer for yourself. Let's look up on the screen as we read that. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God.